Bruchim Haboyim Shem Hashem Berachnuchem Beis Hashem. Welcome to our weekly, we mean weekly, Wednesday night shir. Leinu Nishmas. Mefrayim, Berav Yom Teflipe. Chanani Yom Teflipe. Shmuel Yaakov B'Meshe. Jeanette Bas Yibrayim Koyim. Like to extend the Mazel Tov. And Ur Enuchel was born to Rebbe Ephraim, our dear friends, Benjamin Yoyitz and his wife Adina. Birth of a little baby girl today. She got the tail of the chup of the Maisim Tevim. The Rebbe writes in Ayyemim that even by a little girl we say the tail of the chup of the Maisim Tevim. Vayakel Meishe. So we start with Vayakel. Shabbos Varech Machidish Oder Sheni. And Parshas Shkolem. Yes, it's three titles, but two Sefer Teres. Not three. Shabbos Varech, we don't take out the Sefer Teres for. We take out the Sefer Teres for the Kriya Sefer Teres Vayakel, which we will read the entire Parsha. <coughs> with seven Olim Latera, seven people come to the Tera. And then for the second Sefer Tera, we read Maftir Pashash Kolim, which we read last week, Kisisa. And Aftera is Pashash Kolim. Go over again for those that are always confused with the Dalat Parshis. Shkolim is always the first. Zacher is always the second part of the third, and Hachedish is the fourth. They get intertwined. Shkolem has no connection with with Zacher. Shkolem has to do with either Hachedish or Shabbos Mavarchim Hachedish Adar. If there's one other, it's other Sheni. If there's one other, it's other regular other, and if it's two others, other Sheni. Shkolem. As we said last week, is connected to the Machzus Hashekel. Hold on, folks. Whoops. What happened? <coughs> now, hello, Atlanta. I don't know if I succeeded in adding you and leading everybody else hold on a minute um, yeah it seems that you're the only one here we get everybody back again bye okay Ed now we have a little. Hold on, hold on. I gotta get one more here. Add. Oh boy, come on, we don't have time for this. Add. Okay. 
we added oh boy in a mess I don't know what this thing is doing sorry caused havoc here with all the phone calls. I gotta put back Atlanta. Let me get back Atlanta one second. Hopefully we have everybody back on track now. Um, calling Atlanta still. Modern technology. Enough to drive somebody totally off their minds. Alright, let me get back to Atlanta quickly. Pasha Zucker in turn. Does not have anything to do with other itself as a Shkedish goes or Mavarchma Khedish. Pasha Zucker is the Shabbos before Purim. He's back. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Atlanta, if you're on, I don't see you. If you could please text me. So I know that you're on. Zacher the Shabbos before Purim. is the Shabbos before HaChidosh whenever HaChidosh would be Chodesh itself has the same stipulations as Ashkolim has, which means either Today. Again, which means either Shabbos Mevarchim Chedish Nisan or Shabbos Chedish Nisan. Either one would become would be Shabbos Chedish. Confusing. I ran into a major mess. Let me call everybody back on Skype a second here, please. Okay. Now 
just call everybody back. Hopefully, everybody answers, and we'll be okay. Okay, I'm sorry for the confusion. So, Pasha Chishabas Hachedish, Pasha Chedish would be either. I don't know what happened here. Either Shabbos Mavarchim Chedish Nisan or Shabbos Yish Chedish Nisan. Depending how the calendar would work out. If there is a Rish Chedish, there is not always a Rish Chedish Nisan on Shabbos, as there is not always a Rish Chedish Adar on Shabbos. Okay. So this Shabbos we said is Pasha Shkolim. Mm-hmm. Pasha Shkolim being Shabbos Mavarchim Chedesh Adar Sheni. Um, I omitted to say last week actually and I feel bad I did. My grandson reminded me on Shabbos about it. The reference to Machtzis HaShekel, which is given, we give it on Erev, no sound. Hold on, what happened to the sound? Oh boy. Ah. Are we better now? Do we have sound? Thank you. Okay. So he reminded me, Machetzis HaShekel teaches us how a Yid has to live, how a Jew has to live connected to the Tzaddik of the generation. The word Machetzis is spelled Mem Ches Tzaddik Yud Tzav. The middle letter is a Tzaddik. We always must surround the Tzaddik. We must be always around the Tzaddik. <coughs> Sorry. If a person stays close to a tzaddik, then look at the letters in Machtzis next to the tzaddik, are Ches and Yud, which is Chai. If a person stays far away and keeps the distance from the tzaddik, then the letters are Mem and Sof. Um... Vayakhil Moshe Moshe gathers all the Yidin and although we've heard already in Truma and in Tetzaveh about all the things that had to be used in the Mishkan all the Kalim that had to be made in the Mishkan we are repeating it again Vayakhel Pekudeh repeats again the repetition of all the Kalim that were in the Mishkan and how they were built. Who donated to the Mishkan? 
who gets gathered, who gets called to pull together <coughs> the nations. The Akamish is called Asmini So. Calls the men, the women, and the children. <coughs> the men are the donors, I understand. A woman, perhaps, she has some jewelry or candlesticks that she wants to sell and give money to a Mishkin. Men, over 13, of course, are obligated to do mitzvahs. Now we have no video either. Where is my video? Ah. This must have turned around. Let me see if I can fix... Oh, there we go. No, no. Much better. Sorry. Children under Bar Mitzvah have no chiyah of mitzvahs. There's no obligation for a child to do a mitzvah, mitzvahs under Bar Mitzvah. The mitzvahs that we ask a child under Bar Mitzvah is chinuch, education. But they're not obligated of bitera. A child under Bar Mitzvah is not put on film. He doesn't count for a minion, etc. So what were they calling the children here for? There's a halacha. If there was a city, where everybody was sinning very, very grievously, where the sins were beyond morality, the city needs to be destroyed. People are sinning of the Zara, etc. The city needs to be destroyed. This is the category, this is known as Ir Hanidachas. A city that needs to be destroyed. When it came to Sudaim, Avram Avinu attempted several different pitches. 50 Tzadikim, 40 Tzadikim, etc. Perhaps, perhaps through that, he could save the city. When only light merited to be taken out with his children and his wife that as soon as they left the city was destroyed but destroyed roots to the roots nothing left to the city question becomes what about the children they weren't Obligated to any mitzvahs. They served Avedazara, they served idol worship. Why destroy them? Why kill them? You see from here, from the laws of Iranidachas, that we do not discriminate even with the children, everyone gets totally eradicated. The Mishkan was built, as we're going to discuss, as Tshuva for. The Chata Egel, the sin of the golden calf. It's repentance for the golden calf.
repentance for the golden calf that the Jews sinned at as a nation at large. Therefore, the nation at large needs to repent for this. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so goes and calls the entire nation, men, women, and children, to know about donating for this Mishkan, which is going to be Kaparas Havenis for the Chet Eagle. This, therefore, being the Mishkan, is so pertinent and so relevant for this, for Kapara, for the Jewish nation. I guess this works. Okay. As Kapara to the Jewish nation. <coughs> Can you call me after 10? Please, thank you. Sorry about that. Okay. The building of the Mishkan was so important for the Jewish nation that although Truma and Tetzave, as we said before, we already mentioned these parshas. They repeated once again. We see the same, similar by the words of the tzaddik, of the stories of the tzaddikim, the story of Eliezer when he goes to get the shidduch for Yitzchak Avinu, how the story gets repeated in the Torah twice, and this also says Rashi at the point tells us how when an important thing is to God, it gets repeated in the Torah, although. Although every word in Torah is accounted for, every word in Torah <coughs> is learned. It has something to teach us. The Torah does not repeat itself for unnecessary reasons. But here, the Torah goes out and repeats an entire passion, an entire story, an entire episode, being the building of the Mishkan. For that reason, for showing the love of God to the Jewish nation. Sorry. The Pasha begins, Vayakhil Meisha Meisha gathers together the entire Adats B'nei Yisrael, as we said before. Vayem Aleim, and he says to them, Eile HaDevarim. These are the things. And the first laws that he discusses with Eden, Ashmir Shabbos, the keeping the sanctity of Shabbos. HaDevarim, the things, in plural, Mi'ut Rabm Shtayim, the Gemara tells us, the minimum of two, the minimum of plural is two. So when you say Hadvarim, plural, you mean two. The word Eile, Aleph Lamed Hey, is Gematria 36. 
36. <coughs> Sorry. Eila is a reference to 36 plus the Dvarim. We count as minimum of two. And here we count the Dvarim being a Dvarim for itself as a third. And therefore 39, making reference to the 39 Lamates Malachas that one cannot desecrate the Shabbos with. Ashativa Hashem Lasseis Aisam that Hashem commanded them to do. First thing is six days, Shaysis Yom Tiyasa Malachi, you should do work, and on the seventh day you should be holy for you. Shabbos Shabbos and Hashem, and also a Shabbos to God. However, anyone that does do any work, call Aisam Malacha, you must. It's put to death. First, Things first. You should not. You cannot light a fire in our house, in the households over on Shabbos. And again, he says to the entire nation, "This is what God commanded to tell you: to take from you a donation for God to build the temple, to build the Mishkan, tabernacle." The Lamites Malachas, the 39 works that one may not do on Shabbos, which ultimately, of course, branch out to the, all the other toldus, as they're called, from the Av Malachas, are based on Avoides, on services that were done in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. Carrying from property to property, carrying, lighting a fire. Um, etc. So Meshado starts off the words talking about the commandment of Shabbos and then mentions the building, the commandment of building and bringing the donations to build the tabernacle. Rashi says this is very pertinent to us. How so? He precedes the warning about doing Shabbos before the Malachas HaMishkan, before the work of the Mishkan, that even the Mishkan, even in the tabernacle, you may not desecrate Shabbos. The work in the tabernacle does not push away Shabbos. The commentaries explain the words of Rashi, just the way they are. Carte blanche. The fact that the introduction, the first thing the Pasuk mentions is Shabbos. And then the work in the Mishkan is simply to teach us the greatness, the stringencies that there are on Shabbos, even when it comes to the Mishkan. And therefore, no malacha in the Mishkan can desecrate Shabbos. Had it been the opposite, says the commentaries, and first we would talk about the Mishkan and then talk about Shabbos, we would think, we would learn perhaps, that the work of the Mishkan was, string, was more stringent than that of Shabbos, and therefore it would be able to supersede Shabbos.
many commentaries ask. In different parts of the Torah, if you're going to look at them, in Vayikra again, Kedoshim, chapter 19, verse 3, Ish, A person should fear their mother and father. The S Shabsoisai Tishmeru and Shabbos you should keep. Rashi explains that right away. What does Shabbos and respecting your parents have to do one with the other? Samachmin is Shabbos the Mira of the reason that it puts together one next to the other, let me to tell you. Afabishatika Amira of, even though I warned you, <coughs> I warned you about fearing your father. If your father will tell you, desecrate Shabbos, do not listen to him. In that case, in that part of the Teda, Shabbos is mentioned after referring your mother and father. So based on the dictum that we just said, that the one that's first shows how it's more important than the second one, and therefore Moshe says first about Shabbos, and then talks about the Mishkan, to tell us that Shabbos cannot be desecrated for even for the Mishkan, we find here, the father and mother's fear of the father and mother is mentioned before the Mishkan, and yet... Before Shabbos, I'm sorry. And yet, if the father says, go desecrate Shabbos, you're not allowed to. Even though it says it first. In that case, it doesn't float. The concept of it being mentioned first, before the other one, does not make it. It doesn't cut it. Because that would be the case. Then by father by mentioning the father and mother first would be different. So then what is the what in essence is the reason for Moshe mentioning Shabbos before the Mishkan? What is the actual connection between Shmeda Shabbos and the Mishkan? We spoke about. <coughs> that we derive the laws from what was done in the Mishkan. Last week's Pasha Kisisa, the Pasuk first talks about the Mishkan before Shemina Shabbos. The opposite of our Pasha. But still in all Rashi says, the Kavana, the intention is to teach us the, special, the specialness of Shabbos, that you cannot desecrate it for the Mishkan. Shabbos al even though everybody's running and rushing and totally overwhelmed by the preparing of the Mishkan because they wanted it done as quickly as possible, it still does not desecrate Shabbos. And we all know, of course, every Jewish woman can tell you that on Friday afternoon, no matter what time Shabbos is, 4 o'clock or 8 o'clock, Shabbos always comes as a surprise. What? It's only 5 minutes to Shabbos? How is that possible? I'll have to
Mechayim to the Jewish women. And there it's explained that the mitzvah Shabbos that comes after is stronger than the mitzvah Mishkan, which comes first. So how does Rashi then tell us over here that its importance, the warning of Shabbos, together with the Mishkan, teaches us first. The truth is, though, according to the Pshat, you can't compare our Pasha to Pasha Kisisa. Why? In Pasha Kisisa, last week's Pasha, there is a special mute, special exclusion. We learn from there, we derive from there, Shabbos and the works in the Mishkan. But when it says, Ach! it puts a special stress on it with the word ach in our parsha we don't have that we don't have that exclusion with the word ach so now we understand our parsha the seder we learn out from it to tell us that this is preceding it and this makes it more important in Kisitsa, you don't need that. Because you say, Ach, shows the relevance, shows the importance, shows the greatness of the Shabbos itself. Still stuck over here. Why do we need the Ach in Kisisa? Why do we need that special note in Kisisa? He could have turned over the whole order and bring the warning of Shabbos before Mishkan. And we'd understand automatically the Shabbos is more important. Without having to add a word to the Torah. Let's explain it simply. It's impossible to prove from there that this one mitzvah that's written first has a special, a special, becomes a special entity of other mitzvahs, and is more important than them. And therefore, in Pasha Kisisa, the Pasuk tells us, the Melechus HaMishkan does not desecrate, does not push away Shabbos. But how does it tell it to us? With a miyot miyuchet, with a special word of Ach. It doesn't matter which is first, which, which, which mitzvah is mentioned first, which mitzvah is mentioned second. What Rashi writes, Hikdim lahem azharas Shabbos to tell you that why is it written first? Because it's not intentional to tr- truly teach us from the order of the pasuk, because the pasuk itself it reverses it. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, Ach the word Ach. From here we learn. To exclude Shabbos from the Melech Samishkan. So, therefore, in our parsha, we understand it returns once again, Moshe says, before the Jews, on this very concept, it says in Parsha Kasisa. And therefore, Rashi says, Higdim Lohem. Moshe mentions it to them first. 
When Moshe Rabbeinu came to speak to the Jews, even though the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe, that we saw in Kisisa, and the Almighty tells Moshe these same laws, and brings down there Melech Samishkan before Shabbos, Moshe now in his words reverses the order and reverses it and precedes it to them the warning of Shabbos. And the reason is to tell them, to say to them that it does not desecrate Shabbos. In order to strengthen the actual concept in Halacha, Moshe comes to teach them that the Malachas HaMishkan is not Teich Shabbos. It wasn't enough just to say Halacha. He had to add and to stress and thereby preceding first with Hilcha Shabbos before the Mishkan. So the fact was, as we told before, people were very involved in the Mishkan. And they get caught up in it. And one could get lost in it. And one could say that the Mishkan is so important to us. And we need it done voshnelen, as quick as possible, because this is our tshuva, this is our repentance. And only when they saw the Mishkan completed did they know that, oh, we are now completely forgiven for the Chet Eagle, for the sin of the golden calf. So obviously, the Jews were, shall we say, a little desperate to get it done. Pasuk tells us in our parasha Periglamet Ches Pasuk Dalet Vayev Meish Zeh Adavar Shetziv Hashem Leimer Meish says this is what God commanded to do and Rashi says Adavar Shetziv Hashem Li this is what God commanded to me Leimer Lachem to tell to you Hey Meish we know There are such people. They have everything to tell everybody else how to do it. But they themselves, eh, I'm above that. HaKadosh Baruch We say every morning in Tefillah's Shachris, Magid Varav Liyakiv Chukov Mishpatov Yisrael. He says his words, his chukim, his mishpatim, he tells the Jews. His, meaning that he himself does them. Whatever he does in his own, that's what he commands the Jews to do. But he doesn't tell them to do things that he himself doesn't do. So, hey, Moshe, uh, really? To tell to you? We see by Shepakudeh, that until the Mishkan was totally standing, Moshe did nothing for it. And in Tanchuma it says that the donations were given through the Jews, not through Moshe. Why? Why did he not feel responsible to chip in. 
Where was his participation in this? It was a mitzvah? Of course. It was a mitzvah to date to a, towards the building of the tabernacle. Moshe excluded himself from it. He did not participate whatsoever, he was there, on anything in the Mishkan. What kind of shepherd is he? What kind of Dugmachaya, what kind of living example is he? I'm coming and telling you what to do. Not only telling you what to do, telling you shell out. Open your pockets. We know of many different Gizbari Tzedakah, people that run charities. On the most part, for the most part, as we say, those people running the charity have their wallet open also. They're not coming to you and say, Davai, Davai, have, have, give me, give to the organization, and they themselves are sitting back. (coughs) Although, truth to be told, I'm giving BST. I'm devoting my blood, sweat, and tears here. Why do I have to put into this? You people have to help me with this. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's not It's, pro, it's not believable that any given Hatzola member didn't sometime or another buy a bandaid, buy a bandage, buy something for an ambulance. That every given Hatzola member, active Hatzola member, didn't one day put gas in an ambulance. Puts gas in his own car to get to a call as well. Nobody's compensating him for that. He's giving to the cause. He's the cause itself. He does the cause. But yet he's putting out his own. Here, who are we talking about? We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. The holiest of holy. Forty days and forty nights, thrice does he stay in heaven. No food, no drink. No sleep. It comes to a mitzvah of donating to the Mishkan and Moshe is absentee. He gives nothing. Why? This is what Rashi explains, therefore, over here. Before the commandment, I'll need this HaMishkan, before the commandment of donations, Moshe says to the Jews, Hashem li. This is what God commanded me. Lochem to tell to you, not to tell to me. God commanded me, tell the Jewish nation. God didn't say it's a mitzvah for every living Jew, and therefore Moshe, you and the Jews should do this. God told Moshe, tell the Jews to shell it out. 
And therefore, Moshe didn't give. When did this take place? What juncture did this happen? This only took place after God said, Salakti Kidvarecho. I have forgiven the Jews like you asked me to. Only then did Baruch Hu ask for the building of a tabernacle. So in other words, the reason, as we said before, for the construction of the tabernacle of the Mishkan was to repent for the Chet Egel, for the sin of Egel. Meisha was not there. Meisha was nowhere to be found by this Chet Egel. And not even that, he could not even stop anybody because there was no one to talk to. He wasn't there. He couldn't text anybody. There was no service. He did not have service up there. He could not WhatsApp or anything else. And therefore, he couldn't even check his Instagram to see what they were doing. And although they opened the Facebook Facebook page, Golden Calf, he had no service up there. So there was no way that Moshe had any affiliation, connection, or any type with the sin of the golden calf. And therefore, he was exonerated from the building of the tabernacle and donation to the tabernacle, which was exclusively for forgiveness of the golden calf. Construction of the tabernacle. Two people stand out. Not two people per se. Two artisans stand out. And we'd like to discuss their work. Artisan number one was Bitzalel ben Uri ben Chur. Bitzalel. Bitzal was a mastermind in the architecture work, architectural work of things that went on in the Mishkan. You think, and you look back, and you say, wow, this Bitzal, what a genius. But ironically, we hear Bitzal ben Uri ben Khur, we hear his lineage, we don't hear about his children. Where were his children? <laughs> Bitzal was a whole, all of 13 years old. He was 13 years old and masterminded all this construction and everything that was going down. Vayas Bitzal, says Rashi, why does it say that he made it? Why does it give a, the whole cast? If you're going to mention one person of the architecture team, why not mention everybody? 
Rashi says, "Levishenosa nafshei al hamalacha, yitz mishachachomim nikras hashmei." Because he devoted his life, his soul, <coughs> complete and total dedication and devotion, unconditionally devoting himself to something, therefore he is noted as the life of this item. There were others working with him, perhaps, but he was the life and soul of the party. Because he had such dedication and devotion. It says in the Pasuk, It doesn't give us all this detail. Where is Rashi getting this from? To say that Vayas means it's called on his name for this reason. He doesn't say in a simple explanation here that Betzal made the Oren on his own. Now, ironically, just to give you a pointer on the Oren that he built, he built this prior to anything else. Because he knew that this Oren had to house the Luchas, the tablets that Moshe was going to bring down. Therefore, he prepared it beforehand to make sure that there would be where to put them. But the fact is, he had helpers. Not only in the Oran, but still in all we explain that the Oran itself was the only thing that he himself did himself. He had no help on the Oran, on the Ark. This was a main item in the Mishkan and the Migdash. It was more important and holier than any other vessel. And we can explain this in a simple way. The Kapoiris that were on top of the Arn were two and a half Amas in the width, two and a half in the in the length. And the thickness of this hand breath and in addition to this is also the gold is very heavy. They made the Kruvim on top, the Cherubim. came out of the Kapeiris. So therefore we find, we're talking here about a lot, a lot of gold. It was very heavy. And for one person to do this was quite a task. But literally from the Pasuk we see that the putting of the Kapeiris on the Aran was the completion of the work. It's not only talking about the making of the kaperis, one piece of gold that stood on the ground, but it had to be lifted up, the whole piece, and placed on the ark. So therefore, simply speaking, 
the doing, the making of this Arun, we must have said, had a lot of people to help out. But it's different than the Meneira, which was also Kikas of Tahir, which is also very, very heavy. Just the weight of the Meneira. And all the other Kalim that stood each one by themselves. And even if you want to say the weight of the Meneira itself, <coughs> Rashi explains that Moshe himself carried this kikr zav and put it into the fire. It's impossible to explain that Bitsal did the Aran himself. Therefore Rashi has to explain Vayas Bitsal is not simple. fact that he gave his whole life and soul to building this Therefore, it's called, referenced on his name. So we found, we find, therefore, in the Malachas HaMishkan, that the things that are built are being done, the greatness and the great work and handiwork, artisan, Bitzal. The next artisans that we refer to, the women the women got to work and they knew they needed covers to cover the the tabernacle and this needed to be woven out of wool and therefore they wove the from the wool of the sheeps in a very, very special way. So although we're talking about in this parasha how everybody was running hustle and bustle to do what they had to, to devote, to dedicate, and to help with the building of the tabernacle, the women had, once again, stole the show, and had something very, very special that they did. What they brought to the Mishkan. Besides for the mirrors that they used for the kir, one of the arts, a special art, which was only by the women, was, was the weaving of the hair of the sheep. They did this for the cover of the Mishkan. And the Pasuk says, Tavu es ha'izim. It doesn't say Tavu es ha'temer, that they wove the wool. It says they wove the sheep. And Rashi explains, Me'al gabe ha'izim tavu esim. On the backs of the sheep, they wove the wool. while it was still attached and only detached, only sheared it after it was already woven this was a special art the women had and they weren't commanded to go through this trouble they did this on their own because they wanted to donate from the best and from the most beautiful for the Mishkan of God 
And therefore, they did a double dedication here with doing this on the backs of the animals. They elevated the level of their donation. The fact that they wove on the backs of the sheep, the goats, this spiritually elevates as well the donation and the status of this donation. The women knew that the donations for the building of the Mishkan were like a sacrifice to God. A sacrifice from something that's live is of course more valuable than something that's dead. Sorry. From the four types of life, of existence. Daimim Tzemeach Chayim Medaber The Medaber being the person, the Chay, the animal, the Tzemeach, what grows. They knew that giving from something live would be greater than something that's growing. Therefore they brought these chutim, that they, these threads that they wove, still attached to the sheep, and they nurtured from them. And thereby being, their donation as if it was something from something live. And the women did this because they wanted to do it this way. They wanted their donation to be classic, in a higher level, as high as possible. And therefore the weaving was so much more beautiful. Because as it's attached still to the animal, it's still nurturing from the animal. It's still soft. It's not as hard at least. It doesn't have to be cleansed as much. And it's easier to work. It's, it's more... more appealing the actual work we need to learn a lesson from this they use their brilliant minds sewing weaving the wool on the backs of the animals in order to enhance their donation even though this was not the commandment. We too, if we have any kind of talent, whatever it might be, and everybody has something, you need to devote it and dedicate it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. (coughs) Jew needs to know that this talent was given to him not for anything else, but just to serve God. in order to make the world the Mishkan, the tabernacle for God. And he needs to therefore devote his extra talent to add in sanctity in the world and to turn over the world to be a dwelling place for God. Not only when it comes to his kishenis, but even when it comes to the property of a person. 
If a person has extra money, a beautiful parnasa, he has to remember that Kaddish Baruch Hu gave this to him so that he should give extra tzedakah. Especially for the building of this Mishkan. The Mishkan Lashem, which is when one gives charity, he unites the Jewish nation and thereby building a tabernacle for God. And even more so, this actual dedication of the women, of weaving this this way, brought about the weaving of the Yeriyes before the making of the Kroshim. Before the beams, they had the woven Yeriyes, the, the curtains. And this is opposite of the way it should have been. Because the main story had to be the thing that the men made. One of the reasons for this is to hold back the Tzabal Achayim from the sheep. Because this was very heavy on them now, once they wove it. If you want to say that weaving on the back hurt them, it didn't necessarily. And if they eked because they pulled a little bit of a hair, it was allowed because this was done for the Mishkan. But here we have a lesson. If it's for the torturing of something that's a live item, HaKadosh Baruch Hu changes the order of the doing, making of the Mishkan. Instead of doing the beams first, he made the, the curtains first. So much more so how we have to do everything in order to hold back pain from another Jew. If we see a Jew that's missing something, physical, spiritual, we need to change our routine to help him, to reach out to him, to fulfill his needs spiritually and physically. And therefore sometimes we look and we say, eh, this person's suffering Chasashon. This person's hurting Chasashon. Let somebody else help him. Told no. If we have the capacity, and if we're the better ones to do this, we're incumbent to, to devote ourselves and dedicate ourselves to the helping of our fellow Jew whether it be as a father to a child, a grandfather to a grandchild, but with true dedication, devotion, and unconditional love. And may we merit because of that to receive the actual building of the tabernacle this Shabbos, in Yerushalayim, in Shabbat Shalom.